broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for checking out the Midtown Business Radio Show. On this week's episode, I had the special pleasure of sitting down with five entrepreneurs and business leaders from the Atlanta area. Emma Folks is a managing partner at Commonwealth Business and Retirement Services. She's a certified financial planner, has been operating in Buckhead since 2001, and she's a subject matter expert, was actually part of a team that wrote questions for the CFP exam, and she is also the president of the Atlanta Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. She brought with her networking director of the AGLCC, Bruce Logue. He's with the Corbell Group of Keller Williams. And Jan Stepp is the owner and founder of a company called Pizzazz Promotional Products. She brought us some eye-catching items that show off the interesting and eye-catching items that she utilizes to help her clients share their brand with their target markets. We also hosted Allison McLeod. She's a CPA and tax expert with FinLogic. We also met Dr. David Alt, doctor of chiropractic from the Integrated graded chiropractic center located in Buckhead. He shared some great information on how you can stay as healthy as you possibly can through regular care administered by a respectable chiropractor. Coming up, here's Emma with a quick introduction to the Atlanta Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, serving the LGBT business community for many years now and advocating on their behalf, providing a number of educational offerings. Check it out. One of the things that we do is we we look to support our, our own, keep the dollars within our community. So when the chamber needs items, promotional items, awards, we turn to our promotion people on our promotional team. We send out an RFP and we see who we can use. When we get emails from people saying, hey, I need you know a chiropractor. Is there a chiropractor in the community? Now, we do have a, a directory, but people don't always go to it. They right. send emails. And so we will say, hey, you may want to check this person out, but go to our directory and, and see. So we're, we're all about advocacy through economics. Our dollars matter. And with things that are happening here in, in, in Georgia right now, especially with these anti-gay laws and things like that, it is very important that we speak up. It is very important that we let our legislators know that we're not going to stand for discrimination. It's going to hurt our, our city and our, our, our state economically because yes. there are numbers of companies threatening to pull out. Right. So that's what we want to do is just bring awareness. We're not we don't want to get on one side or the other from a political standpoint, but we need to talk about how our dollars matter. Stick around. I got the full interview with Emma folks, Bruce Logue, Jan Stepp, Allison McLeod, and Dr. David Alt coming up next. What's up, everyone? It is C.W. Hall. Thanks for making us a part of your day today here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Got a full studio today, so we'll get right down to it. A few weeks ago, I, I think it was LinkedIn where I connected with Emma folks, wasn't it? Email. Did I call? Oh, that's right. I had Suzanne Baugh. That's what it that's was. Right. Suzanne Baugh came on my show. LinkedIn is is half the places uh, that I find everybody that comes on the show. But in this case, we had Suzanne Baugh, Q&A events, joined us on the show to talk about their company, got to talking about the Atlanta Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. And she said, well, you should reach out to Emma. And I made a call and she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, not quite. But yes, what were you talking about was something great for the chamber. And yeah. we really appreciate this opportunity. As you know, the Midtown Business Radio Show is all about companies that serve the business community through products and solutions uh, of a variety of types. Clearly, the 
Chambers of Commerce serve their business communities. And I was really pleased to be able to reach out and have you all here to talk both about the chamber, talk a little bit about the companies that you serve when you're not working with the chamber. So introduce us to the folks we got around the table here because we've got a number of folks. Sure thing. We have lots of great people around the table. And I'm proud to say some of these people, all of these people are my friends. Uh, so yes, we're going yes. <laughs> we're gonna start out to my immediate left with Bruce Logue from Keller Williams, and he'll tell you a little bit about his business. We have Jan Stepp from Pizzazz Promotions. We have Allison McLeod and Allison. And what's the name of your firm? FinLogic. FinLogic. And Dr. David Alt, one of the best chiropractors in the Buckhead area. And I'm so glad to be doing this with you all today. Oh, thanks, Emma. Thank we're very excited. Talk a little bit about the company that you're a part of in your financial services. Yeah, business. I'm the managing partner of Commonwealth Business and Retirement Services. And I've been in the Buckhead area now since 2001. Is there a particular demographic that you serve from the business perspective? Yes, I deal with the upper middle class. So people making about 150 and above. And with about 250 of assets that are movable. With regards to your retirement planning, do you get into things like transition planning where I'm a business owner and I want to be able to either sell my company or maybe transition it over to family members down the road? You help with that process as well? Definitely. We usually start about five years before a person is looking at selling their business. So we help them. We make sure they have all the right people in place, attorneys, uh, CPAs, to make sure they understand how they're going to be taxed, figure out how to reduce some of their tax liability after they sell. So we look at everything from a comprehensive standpoint. And from what I understand, when it comes to that sort of thing, as it relates to what's going to happen in my business here, am I going to sell it? Am I just going to close it? Am I going to transition it to family? You got to start that somewhat sooner than later, really, even even, even maybe even before that five year time span. Right. And one of the, the, the benefits of the recession is getting people to really understand what their business is worth. You know, we all grew up thinking my billion, my, my you know, my business is going to be worth several million dollars. I'll be able to sell, sell it at, you know, 55 and go live on a beach somewhere. And that that's not reality. And so we start having those conversations with people as soon as we take them on as clients, not to paint a picture of doom and gloom, but just to give you an understanding of where your business is, at what point you know, do you have a number where you're going to want to sell? And then what happens after you sell your business from a taxation standpoint and also with your family? And then helping you dig down into your family if you're looking at transitioning it. Um, because family members, you know, while you may have a great business and it's your baby, your family may not feel the same way. And that's an interesting point. You, a lot of times I think people assume that because we've got this family-owned business that the the kids, for example, or, or other family members are certainly going to want to step in and take it up and and go forward with it. But that's not always the case. It's not always the case. And sometimes the, the kids, they have no desire to do it. And sometimes they're not capable of that's doing right. it. And yeah. that's that's a hard thing for a parent to understand that your your child is not interested in carrying on the family legacy. And so we bring in other professionals that help with the, I would say, therapy of the family unit, because that's not our our wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But we do recognize that there are a lot of issues in the family dynamics. There's a lot of other things that go on and we bring in all the professionals that's needed. So that way it's a nice, smooth transition and families can continue to sit down together for Thanksgiving without arguing <laughs> over the over the family business. Are there a couple of things, issues, places where people that, that you end up working with as clients, do you, do you see certain areas that tend to be the mistake spots. This is where they tend to go off the road as it relates to their finances that you're able to kind of get them back in the right direction. It's when people use their business as a lifestyle business and not running their business as a business. So when they've been taking all the money out of their business and not putting it in position for growth, 
to sell and living off of a budget and everybody hates that B word. But when people don't live off of a budget and and pay themselves a set amount and learn to live off of it, it kind of derails them when they get into retirement because they've been used to just spending as they wish. They've never had to find out what the cost of, of something is and you can't continue to live that lifestyle. And that's where we have to try to we have to rein people in. We try to do it before they get to the point where they're going to sell. But when it happens close to the time when they're going to sell, it gets really, again, it's an emotional thing. It's a behavioral thing. And we have to help contain that. (laughs) Bruce, introduce us a little bit to uh, your work. Yes. I'm the uh, managing partner with the Corbel Group at Keller Williams. Uh, We're a team of residential real estate specialists uh, who help our clients buy, sell, invest in real estate. Any certain demographic? I mean, are you pretty much across the board from the, the low, lower value houses, or do you position yourselves into a pers- particular zone, if you will, of, of home sales? Well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pretty much help with almost any transaction. However, uh, we are specialized in a, a, a home that's ready to move into. Uh, we don't really deal uh, a lot with the um, REOs or uh, distressed properties. Uh, so, you know, we're looking for a good property uh, to help our, our, our clients sell it, sell it quickly, or to help our buyers buy something that uh, is going to add value. When it comes to trying to link up with an agent who's going to either help me buy or, or, or help me sell a house, probably more importantly, are there some questions that you recommend that somebody would ask of that professional to kind of decide, well, this is somebody I think that would be effective for, for what I need? It depends on what type of transaction, what side of the transaction that you're going to work on. Um, if you are uh, selling your property, you want to make sure that uh, the agent is is well versed in in marketing, that they're going to be able to market your home, you know, very well, so that it could sell quickly. Uh, on the buyer side, you're really going to ask questions, and you want to make sure that uh, you're comfortable talking to that person. Uh, that you're comfortable spending time with them because you're going to be, you know, doing a lot of driving around and looking at properties, riding in their car. So uh, those pretty much would be the best, you know, approaches. We've got someone here in the promotional products industry. Jan. Absolutely. So introduce us to your company. It's uh, I like the logo. It's very cool. You brought us some some really cool uh, items that show some of the work that you do. Talk to us about the the, the company. How did you get it started? I actually started Pizzazz uh, almost twenty years ago. We had our nineteenth anniversary uh, not too long ago, and uh, literally started it from zero. <laughs> um, so drew the logo, called up my current clients, and said, "Hey, if I start my own business, will you?" Will you switch over to me? And will you also pay me up front for the first couple orders? And luckily, I had those kind of relationships. So, you know, 20 years later, here we are. So, and at Pizzazz, we really try to give clients a personal service. You know, I care about their success. Clients become friends. People at this table have been clients, um, which is one of the great things that's been about the chambers. We know we all support each other's businesses. I think it's interesting as I began, I've had a couple of conversations over time since I've been doing the show with folks that come from the promotional products space, kind of shifted my my mind about what we're talking about because it's not just a handout necessarily yeah. or, or you know, just a giveaway item. I mean, it truly is branding and can truly contribute to putting your company's name out there in front of a lot of different people. Absolutely. What we try to do is to focus, like, I want to ask questions, you know, People, let's say someone calls and they says, well, I just, you know, I want to, I want to pin. Well, that may not be the best use of your advertising dollars. So I try to ask a lot of questions up front. What's your budget? Who's going to receive this item? What are they going to do with this item? 
Uh, does it need to be something personal that they use at their desk? Is it something uh, that they use at home, in their car? You know, if I'm doing something for Radio X, you know, where are you going to use that item? Who are you going to give it to? What's your budget? And a true promotional products distributor who's experienced is going to ask you all those questions up front and not just try to sell you something. They want to fill a need. They want you to be satisfied. And with a promotional product, you can measure the results of the money that you spent. You know, it can be a fun item. It can be a tech item. Uh, it just depends on what your, it could be a super serious item. It can be a mint that's going to be gone after we eat it here, you know, here at the table. I try to find out what is your intent for the item and let's spend your budget dollars that way. With the internet and everybody using mobile devices, how has that affected your business? I would imagine that the e-commerce side of things in the promotional products space is really helped be quite the accelerator for your business. It has. There, it's, it's been a good and a bad, but mostly a good thing. After actually started in this almost 25 years ago, you know, totally different than now. And everyone relied on a catalog and face to face. And now that's just not the case. You know, I find that most clients don't even want to be seen in person. Some need to be, but most don't. It could be over the phone or over email. I have clients all over the country, which I've been really fortunate over all these years to get the referrals that I have. So I could have a client here in Atlanta that refers me to a client in Seattle, let's just say. And it doesn't matter. Our relationship is just like we were you know, standing in the same room with each other. So that has been really nice. And also now, I mean, I do have an online catalog and website and what have you, but I don't want customers to waste their time doing that unless they just really want to uh, do the search themselves. So if I ask those questions up front, I can easily go find who's got the best price, the best imprint, uh, who's going to deliver the fastest. And out of 3,000 vendors, you have to be doing this a long time to know who's got the best product. So, and then I'll email the client back with a presentation, and then we move forward with the order there. So, the, the whole point is to make it seamless, quick, and fun, and the order's done. So, online catalog, online vendor, I don't think you get that personal relationship. Are you able to help if I need graphic design kind of input? Are you able to add that sort of expertise as well to help me either design what I want to put on a particular product or maybe even my my logo perhaps? But you have that kind of skill set that, that you offer to your to Absolutely. Your yeah. So we can go from uh, someone who has no logo at all and we actually help design that logo and design their marketing program up to someone who, you know, they've been doing this for years. They know exactly what their logo needs to look like and what item they want to put it on. And just want us to do that for them. So whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or it's one of the millions of different uh, marketing and promotional items, we can take care of that from start to finish. I know one of the things that some companies that are fairly large, maybe they they utilize a lot of different items. Sometimes they'll end up having a almost like a shop themselves. That's like an uh, uh, electronic catalog, if you will. But it it lives essentially in the back end of of a promotional products company. Do you have that ability? Can I can I have my store be tied to pizzazz? You can literally have an online store. A lot of the larger companies, you know, the Fortune, let's say Fortune 100, some of the Fortune 500 companies might have an online store. And we can do that. But one of the things I find with my particular client base is their uh, company may have an online store, but they get tired of buying the same things over and over. And once you've given a client everything that's on the online store, what do you do then? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Like I have a large magazine company that I have done business with them for 25 years, and they have offices all across the country. Now, they have an online store, but the majority of them contact me instead, and we put their local information on each item. I can do the same pricing. 
a lot of people think, well, you need to be a really huge company to get the best pricing. And that is just simply not true. One of the things that makes a big difference in choosing a distributor like myself is who has good relationships with those vendors. And luckily I do after all these years. So I know who the good ones are. And, you know, I know how to get the best pricing from them. And, and that depends on how a distributor treats a vendor also. So I have those great relationships. And so, you know, if someone's looking for a personal relationship instead of just buying a, right. an, a random item, those are the kind of clients that I have and the kind of referrals that I want. And I would imagine that kind of relationship really does lend itself to people talking to their colleagues about it in the business community saying, hey, you should link up with them because it's not just, as you say, just log in and make an order. You're actually right. having somebody that says, tell me about why you want to, what you're going to do with this because mm-hmm. I might have a better idea for you to spend your your hard-earned revenue on. Absolutely. And, you know, some people will say, well, you know, what do I have to spend on a promotional item? You know, we can do something as, as low as a 29-cent sticky pad up to a $200 executive briefcase. I mean, it just depends on what your budget is, what who you're going to give this to, what you want to use it for, um, what do you want to accomplish with handing out that item. You know, you want your brand uh, to grow. You want your services to be used. Uh, if it's a nonprofit or an organization that's looking for donors, a promotional item is the perfect thing for that. You know, if I were to hand you this uh, candy jar that I just brought in this morning and I said, CW, would you give me 20 bucks for this candy jar? Uh, <laughs> no. And I say, CW, we're doing these candy jars for the church, for the building fund. Would you donate $20 and get a free candy jar? Sure. Right. So it's all in how you approach how you want to use that particular item. And for fundraising, they're perfect. Nothing's better than a promotional item with a church or a school or a nonprofit uh, logo on there than a promotional item. We've been speaking with business experts from the Atlanta area and members of the Atlanta Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, Emma Folks, president of the AGLCC and uh, partner at the Commonwealth Business and Retirement Services. Uh, we've also met Bruce Logue from Keller Williams and Jan Stepp from Pizzazz Promotions. And Allison, you were talking about FinLogic. Introduce them to your services. Yeah, you bet, CW. So uh, my firm is FinLogic. We're an Atlanta area accounting firm. Most of our clients are small businesses and their owners do a lot of fun stuff for our clients. My area of expertise is tax tax compliance and planning. Yay! Yeah, it's it's pretty much compliance season right now. Um, The planning part is the rest of the year, and that's kind of more of the fun time. But uh, this is certainly a great time of year to connect with my clients, make sure their tax returns get filed (laughs) timely. Uh, But what we do, uh, which I, I can't say enough how much we absolutely love what we do working with our small business clients is when we uh, get a new client or, or, you know, working with our existing clients, look at their processes and procedures that they have in place on their back-end accounting and see how we can tweak that to increase cash flows, you know, help them retain or bring in new clients and customers, help them manage their day-to-day operations in a way that's going to be more profitable for them short and long-term. Uh, and then, you know, my particular piece is to come in sort of on, on the back end and say, okay, well, now we've really streamlined things and cash is doing well. Uh, what, what does that look like from a tax perspective? Are there ways to lower your tax bill? Are there tax incentives out there available for your business? Uh, and I also work with folks like Emma for, you know, business owners, long-term financial goals, because a lot of times my view as a tax person is somewhat short-sighted. I look at this year, I look at next year. Uh, so I really need that financial advisor who's looking at that, you know, 20-year, 30-year piece to say, okay, okay, Allison, great idea, but 
you know, we've got to t- keep this in mind as well. So, uh, yeah, just in general, working with financial advisors, insurance agents, bankers, attorneys, whoever's on my client's team, uh, financial professional advisors to make sure that they get well-rounded advice and and nothing happens in a vacuum. And, and that's really what we do. We love to work with businesses that are starting upright, that maybe have not started upright and are looking for some help to kind of get their house in order. We love to work with businesses that are approaching some sort of exit strategy, whether it's succession planning within, whether it's being acquired. Uh, we can help with due diligence on the accounting and tax fronts. We do business valuations. Uh, we have um, very personalized service. You always have somebody to call, email. Um, a lot of our clients are local, but we have a lot of clients uh, like Jan as well that are either out of state or across the country. So we are able to keep in touch with folks very easily and uh, wherever they are and just just love what we do. Now, are there particular verticals within the small business sector that you focus on, or is it pretty much any small business entrepreneur would be good to link up with you? Yeah, that's a great question. We, we do have a few uh, practice area focuses, uh, but we, you know, we have clients who fit all kinds of spectrums as far as industry and sizes. Uh, we do a lot of not-for-profit work. Uh, we also do a lot of work with service-based professionals, so um, attorneys, uh, financial advisors among those. Um, we also work uh, quite a bit with distributors. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we, we kind of do the whole gamut, CW. <laughs> now, you mentioned when you were talking about the, the firm at, at, at the start there, you, you talked about how sometimes the businesses don't get off to the correct start. Sure. Where, do they, where do they go awry? That's a good question. Could be a few different places. A lot of times I find it's just um, as a small business owner, which you know I am too, you can only do so much. You have only so much bandwidth. Even if you had unlimited resources, you can only put your focus at so much at one time. So there's always going to be, I think, something that falls through the cracks. And so for us, sometimes with with new clients coming on, it's, it's sort of that back office accounting piece or, or maybe the tax piece that's kind of never got on board. So their operations may or may not be good. They may have a very good product. They may have great staff. Um, the owners are very invested. And yet, you know, they they didn't either, they didn't know what to do to vet an accounting firm and so made a poor choice or they just never focused on that area because they, they just weren't able to. So that's most of what we see. It's, it's folks that really care about their business. They really want help. Um, it just... It just wasn't on their radar till it was a true problem, and they realized how much it was hurting them. I did an interview on the Top Docs radio show the other day with a gentleman. One of the things that he, he's somebody that ends up being, he has relationships with a number of different companies, and as a consultant can go to, he focuses on medical practices, helping them with their cash flow, all, mm-hmm. all things from collections to their utility bills, different things like that. Um, one of the things he mentioned that, could potentially have some big imp- implications for a business with regards to their taxes is tied into the ACA and it's um, the wellness program side of things. Are you familiar with that? He talked about the fact that it reduces their their tax burden by as much as $500 per employee. And I was just kind of curious if you've seen that start to flow into, because I don't know how many companies are really taking advantage of that, that yet. It sounds like very many don't know about it. 
Um, and that's one of the things that he's starting to talk to practices mm-hmm. about. And, and many of them are very unfamiliar. It doesn't sound like very many <laughs> are coming across your table either in terms of talking about whether or not it would make sense for their business. Um, no, you know, I haven't seen much of that. I, yeah, it sounds like it's probably some sort of tax credit or related incentive. Yes. And I'm not sure if that's a federal or state program, probably federal. federal yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of those laws affect employers of a certain size. And most of our clients, uh, we do have a, a few fairly large clients, but most of them tend to be under that threshold. So sometimes those don't apply so much to them. But that that sounds like a very interesting um, option for probably some folks that fit that that. Yeah, I'm definitely interested myself in learning more about how it works, because according to what he was telling me, that it for the employer that implements a, a wellness program, a, according to what the ACA lays out, there's a number of different services that go with it, but it can make as much as $500 per year per employee in FICA tax that they pay if they make it available to the employees. So um, that's pretty significant. You know, whether you have five employees or 500 mm-hmm. employees, imagine the the bottom line impact of that. And you can also at the same time help your healthcare costs for your business too. If you're, mm-hmm. you can help your, your experience, I guess that's what they call it for how heavily your health plan is being utilized. For example, if you're offering one to your employees, I was just curious to see if as a tax pro, if it was starting to come across, because in my conversation with, with David, he talked about the fact that very few businesses really know about it, even in the healthcare side of things that they didn't realize that that was laid out there. So I was just kind of curious to see if it was hitting your desk yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, I might try to change maybe, that. Maybe, maybe it will. <laughs> well, I, I know from, for myself, I mean, that, that's one of those types of solutions that I'm looking to try to help get the word out about uh, through, through this channel, for one thing, just because a lot of the entrepreneurs um, that check out our shows are in that small to mid-size uh, range and, and could potentially really help them out. So are, are there some other areas around tax that you find that tend to be the, the common trip up points for a small business that maybe they should think about uh, as they're, you know, looking at their, their financial situation? Do you, you see this is, this is an area where they usually go go sideways? Well, well, I, I don't know so much about area, but I will say there's sort of mindsets that I see that sort of um, lead folks astray. Um, one is sort of that cowboy mentality of everything is deductible. Uh, you know, my, my house is entirely deductible. My auto expenses are entirely I deductible. I think about work when I'm in my house all the time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> the meal that I had with my spouse where we talked about business, but my spouse doesn't work in my business, that's entirely deductible. Uh, so for those folks, you know, be cautious. It's probably not deductible. But on the opposite end, you know, uh, there's folks that are just so timid of taking a, a legitimate tax deduction that, you know, Allison, is, is this deductible? Yeah, it's deductible. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine to take a home office deduction if you qualify it. It's, it's totally fine to deduct your, you know, cell phone that you use for your business and, and things like that. Or, you know, sometimes it's, you know, I went to this event, but I had a good time. Was it a business event? Yeah. Would you have gone if you wouldn't have gotten business from it? Well, no. Okay, then deduct it. Um, so that's really where I see folks that need a little bit of guidance. So one side they need to be reined in, and then the other side they just need a little bit of encouragement. I thought you could deduct that twice. <laughs> <laughs> if it was really fun. Well, I actually have had a client I had to talk to that tried to double dip on something recently. And, you know, you think something's obvious, and then they try and do something and go, ah, oh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. But no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Real quickly about documentation as it relates to both, your, you talked about meals, for example, mm-hmm. that you go out 
out for around business and mileage. What kind of documentation do you need to support, you know, to demonstrate for later purposes when it comes time to sit down with you in the office so that I can truly get credit when it's, when it's proper? What, what do I need to record on my receipt or on my mileage imp- entry there to make sure that it's reflecting what Mr. IRS wants to see? Oh, yeah, sure, CW. So you've actually asked a few questions in there. Firstly, as far as receipts go, I, as your tax uh, professional, don't want to see any of them, really. Please don't give me your receipts. But please do have them and please do keep them in the case that you're ever examined by the IRS, state of Georgia, some other taxing authority. Um, you know, for as far as just regular business deductions go, keep whatever receipt you're provided with. So if you go out to eat, you know, you're given a receipt keep that. You're welcome to keep it in electronic format. The IRS will accept that as long as you're able to provide it to them readily. Uh, As far as mileage goes, keep a log. I know no one wants to hear this. Everyone wants to create some kind of log upon audit, and I've never seen that be successful. You know, where did you go? Why did you go? Who were you with? Why was it business related? What date was it? And and, and, what was the, the round trip total on that? Now, in terms of you have to you have to have a note on each of those entry points for the for your mileage in terms of who I saw, what we talked about, those types of things have to be a part of it. It can't just be client visit. I would just list the client's name. I mean, just be a little bit more specific, but yeah. And there's different ways to keep up with that. I know some folks have uh, apps on their phone that they yeah. use in their car. I'm kind of old school. I just... Mile IQ is one that I recommend you check <laughs> exactly. out. Have you using I'm it? using it, yes. yes. I interviewed their CEO on the show, and it was uh, a really cool device. It works really, really great and super easy. Would you agree? I agree. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm a, f- a big fan of anything that helps somebody, even yeah. if it's, you know, if it's something sophisticated like that, fabulous. If it's, you know, notepad and pen that you just keep in your car, because... You know, either you're if you're not keeping a contemporaneous mileage log, either you're (laughs) uh, making something up later, which isn't good, or you just say, "Eh, I don't worry about it. And for most folks that that drive any amount for business, that's such an easy deduction that they're missing out on. That's some great advice, obviously, and and it's timely. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to get over to to David and talk a little bit about your practice, and then we can kind of tie it all together and get back and start talking a little bit more about the AGLCC and how it all uh, comes into play in each of your businesses and its growth and and how it's uh, providing support to you. So introduce us to the practice. Well, my name is David Holt, and I'm uh, with Integrated Chiropractic Center. I've been practicing here in Atlanta for a little over 21 years. And uh, I see a wide variety of patients, everything from uh, some children. I actually have a a 12-year-old gymnast who is climbing the ranks of the National Gymnastic Leagues. And uh, I think my oldest patient right now is probably about 75. So I see a wide wide variety of people. Now, did you train here locally? I did. I went to life and I graduated back in 94. That, we we've been doing a series that's where that came from i've got the the the, the, the i cube? guess the paperweight the, the nice, cube the cube there there's all kinds their, of stuff here yeah their their motto um and i i was intrigued by life university i, I had a chance uh, last year um, a little before that actually to meet Jill lamars who's the vice president of professional relations there mm-hmm. he was recruited to come in from texas great guy Awesome face for the university. The, the, the university went through some challenges a few years ago, obviously. And 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 the thing that I have discovered, and I, I was one of those people actually who knew it was here, 
I knew they had a chiropractic university. Um, I wasn't sure if it was faith-based because of the name, you know, yeah. and I hadn't looked into it too, too deeply. But uh, once I met Jill and learned really a little bit more about the university and their philosophies in terms of vitalism, um, positive, uh, positive approaches to things like psychology and business, and, and they integrate those elements into those courses. And many people didn't even realize that they have, I think it was like 15, 12 or 15 um, undergraduate degrees and, and several, four or five at least master's programs um, that people didn't understand that those were available there on the campus. And beyond that, I just was really struck by the, the, the culture of the university from the perspective of being good citizens and engaging with each other. The uh, the Life University uh, tradition, if you walk around campus, there's plaques along the sidewalk that says you you will engage each other with a spoken word uh, when you when you pass each other on on the sidewalk and they do i mean you the students the teachers you might walk past a couple of people who are talking if they happen to see, you know make eye contact with you see you're coming by they will turn and acknowledge you um i thought it was a really great place so i'm 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 pleased that you were you were there and and um you know the the people that i have met that come through life university have have all been very pleasant and and engaging types of types of folks so i've kind of gotten on board with being a bit of a spokesperson on behalf of the university to tell their story nobody wants to go to a cranky chiropractor <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know as it comes to, to chiropractic uh, care i mean what is the best the best advice in terms of how often do i need to have access to at least being checked out to yeah. see if I need some sort of adjustments? Uh, that's a really good question. And it probably, uh, I'm going to divide it into two, two separate areas. There's people who are in acute situations. So people who theoretically threw their back out or they're having migraines or they tripped and uh, had a trip and fall or maybe were hit by an automobile accident or something like that. Those type of people come in on a much more intensive level because we've got to do a lot of work on the on the spine. We've got to do a lot of work with the muscles, the tendons and the ligaments, really trying to break up those fixations relieve that nerve interference and let the body start healing itself. And that happens much more intensely or uh, much more often when you're, when you're in that type of uh, under that kind of care. Mm -hmm. The other type is more of a wellness care. And that's, I have a lot of people who tend to come in for acute care, realize how good they feel. And as we get them out of pain and they start feeling better and they're more active in their life, they say, wow, this is really great. Can I keep coming in? And I look at them, of course you can. Um, so then they always ask, and I usually try to approach this early in their, in their treatment plan, is that they ask about what, what's going to be best for them. Mm -hmm. And you know, some people will just give you kind of a cookie cutter answer to that. I like to actually talk to the person as we start spreading out those, those adjustments We'll go, let's go once a week. Let's go every two weeks. Let's go every three weeks. Let's go at once a month. And usually as we start spreading those out, the patient will come in and go like, oh man, you know, I, I just didn't feel good this last week, or I started getting these aches and pains or some of that stuff stuff started coming back. So then we'll backtrack and we'll say, okay, great. Maybe three weeks is too long. We'll just do it every two weeks. So I take a very individualistic approach to it. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, I usually tell people that, from my standpoint, 
everybody deserves to be adjusted at least once a month. So that's kind of where my, I mean, if, if people want to go further than that, that's fine. But my general answer is at least once a month. The thing that I didn't realize until I got to spending more time with Jill and learning about the whole functional neurology component of what they do there and how neurology thinking about neurology and, and the nervous system is a key component. I, right. I had always thought about it like your typical layperson would with regards to, I'm just getting my back adjusted. Something's out of alignment. It's causing me some discomfort, but I wasn't necessarily thinking about it from a nervous system perspective. Right. And that's the thing that I did learn through getting to know more about life and, and talking to Jill and, and, and folks like yourself was that the uh, because the nervous system flows through the spine in particular um, on its way to the bodies that's not just the muscles that we're talking about it's things like organ function and different correct every aspect of the body being driven by the nervous system right nothing's going on in your body without your brain communicating through the nervous system to tell it what to do and so that's really in the end what we're adjusting is to make sure that there's nothing impinging on the nervous system itself. Correct. You're, you're, you're adjusting the physical structure that supports it but, and protects it. And, Correct. And so, so just going out, walking around through my course of my daily life, I can get something either like a muscle may get strained or sprained or a little bit and starts to put something, the bony structure out of alignment. Is that what's happening with it? Makes me want to come in on a regular basis to be checked out. Right. I always believe in keeping the small things small. And also, um, you know, it's the sum total of the little things that you're doing to keep your body healthy that add up to a healthy body. So if we all sit at our computers and we sit there for much too long, a lot of us sleep on our stomachs or we have poor sitting posture. Um, hopefully a lot of us are active athletically, but along with that comes trauma. And each one of those things, what they always taught us back in school was that uh, trauma to the spine is cumulative until you erase it. And that's what the adjustment does. So having those little micro traumas to the spine, to the rest of the body that will impinge on the nerves, that will cause the muscles to go into spasm, that will cause the ligaments to be overstretched or maybe too taut. Those, all those little things go into the general uh, trauma of the body. And if we can take care of those things while they're small, then you don't get to having the big things. So, you know, hopefully if you're coming in on a monthly basis or every two weeks or so, then all those, like right now I have a lot of people who are uh, training for um, marathons and mini marathons and all of that running, all of that pounding, every time you're out there, yes, it's good for you, but it's also trauma to your body and to your spine and to your nervous system. So if we can keep that in check, much like the the young gymnast that I have, she comes in, her and, well, I've actually uh, been adjusting her parents for almost 20 years. They were two of my first patients that came in. And uh, now she's 12, 13 years old. And uh, I've been taking care of her for a number of years. And she will come in and she's like, you know what? I've got this. Up. I've got my uh, next meet coming up. I want to make sure I'm I'm in good shape. And you know, this is what's happening. I fell off the beam yesterday. I fell off the bars. This is how I fell. What what what? You know, tell me what I can do. Mm-hmm. And so it's really rewarding to be able to to help those type of people really perform their best. 
Doctor of Chiropractic David Alt is joining us in the studio talking about Integrated Chiropractic Center. Now, in the in the practice, in addition to your chiropractic services, do you offer other things like massage therapy? Anything? Any other services that you that you provide for your patients? I do. I have two massage therapists in my office. We also have, um, I guess, what you would call modalities. But I have an intersegmental traction table. I have uh, electrical muscle stem. I personally do some uh, uh, do a lot of uh, muscle work and stuff on people ahead, both before and after the adjustment, depending on what they need, just to help those adjustments hold longer, stronger, better. Um, I also do a little bit of nutritional counseling. I'm not a nutritionist, but there's a lot of, like I said, little things that can go a long way to help keep your body um, healthy. Now, as a as a provider of care, do you find yourself thinking over and over a couple of points? Gosh, I wish my patients knew this or thought more about that, that, that might be able to help that person out there listening. You know, I, I always have the short list, um, drink water and that's water. Uh, a great way to measure how much water you're drinking. I usually ask people when they're, when they come in, Oh, not enough. Okay. That didn't really answer the, <laughs> that didn't really answer the question. So, uh, a basic guide is to take your weight in pounds, divide it by two, and that's how many ounces of water you should be drinking a okay. day. Now, if you're very active, if you're drinking a lot of sodas or you're drinking caffeine or a lot of alcohol or those type of things, um, you need to drink more because those things all leach water from that's your body. Dehydrating. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So I usually say, like, if you're going to drink a 12-ounce Coke, you need to drink another six ounces of, of water to go along with that just to kind of break even. Other things are an easy stretch routine. I go through a five to seven minute stretch routine with almost all of my patients. It's just really easy stretches and people say, oh, I don't want to do that or it takes too much time. Who doesn't have five to seven minutes once or twice a day, especially if you're going to work out to do it uh, pre-workout and post-workout? It just helps so much to keep your body in shape and keep all of those muscles, ligaments, and tendons pliable and, and, and moving properly. Well, Emma, let's talk a little bit about the AGLCC now, and, and we can, uh, each of us at the table, we can do, you know, everybody pitch in in terms of talking, uh, if someone says something that spurs a thought, but talk about your relationship with the AGLCC, how you came to be involved with it, and what you've seen it's doing here in the business community. I became involved with the AGLCC for, I would say, almost selfish reasons. When I would go to events, I didn't see a lot of minorities. And I felt that Atlanta is a, is a melting pot, especially here in the South. And going to an AGLCC event, I felt should reflect the demographics of the city of Atlanta. And I voiced my opinion. And, you know, my grandmother, my late grandmother would always tell me if, if you see something and you want it to change, you don't just talk about it. You be a, become a part of it. And I became the membership chair about three or four years ago. I'm losing track of time. It seems like forever. And now when we go to our events and it's not just me, it was also the board, Suzanne Baugh, Jeffrey uh, Bigger, a lot of people who, who heard what I was saying, understood what I was saying. And we've all went out and made a conscious effort to invite people that don't necessarily look like us but would become valuable members of, of our organization. And, you know, as I look around the table, I was thinking of who's actually sitting here today. And just so that you have an idea, we've got a legacy member, David Alt, 
Um, he's been involved with the chamber. I'm not going to say how many years because he still looks so young, uh, <laughs> but he's been involved with the chamber for a long time. And he's one of the co-hosts of the Buckhead Business Builder Luncheon. And our Business Builder Luncheons are integral because they are where the rubber meets the road for the chamber a lot of times. So a lot of times a person's first introduction to the chamber is going to these luncheons. We have Allison who is also a member of our finance committee. She's an ally of the chamber. She's on our finance committee, and she also serves as an ambassador. So when we have networking events, when a person comes in, Allison will walk over to Allison and say, hey, this is a new person. And she will take the person around because a lot of us are, like myself, are introverted. Mm -hmm. So going to networking events sometimes can be extremely overwhelming. And so we'll have people like Allison there and Jan who we can actually walk a new person over to. And that and Allison or Jan will sit there, stand with the person, talk to them and figure out who they need to meet. And then we have Jan, and she's been a member of the chamber. I remember when she came in, she's an ex-board member, when Mm -hmm. she came and interviewed. And Jan wanted to increase the brand awareness of the chamber. That was very, very important Mm -hmm. to her. And she has become the one of the co-hosts of the Vinings Luncheon. She's been doing that for a number of years, and she's also been helping with membership of the chamber. And then to my left, Bruce, you know, Bruce is, first of all, he has the best hair. I say, this, <laughs> I say this all the time. You can't see this on the radio, but Bruce Bruce has the best hair in the world. He's got a John Kerry haircut <laughs> for, for less than half of the money, right? And, and Bruce is also a co-host of the North Lake Business Builder Luncheon, but he is in charge of all the Business Builder Luncheons here in the Atlanta area. He oversees them. He makes sure that we have the right co-host, the right location, the right food, et cetera, et cetera. So as I look around the table, I mean, you've got, you know, a a good portion of the chamber, uh, people who are involved, who care about the chamber that are right here. What would you say are are some of the main focuses in terms of advocating on behalf of the business community that you're serving? Any particular, what are the issues that you really want to try to either address or or bring home for, for members of the chamber? That's a great question. One of the things that we do is we, we look to support our, our own, uh, keep the dollars within our community. And so when the chamber needs items, promotional items, awards, we turn to our promotion people on our promotional team. We send out an RFP and we see who we can use. When we get emails from people saying, hey, I need, you know, a chiropractor. Is there a chiropractor in the community? Now, we do have a um, a directory, but people don't always go to it. They send emails. And so we will say, hey, you may want to check this person out, but go to our directory and and see. So we're, we're all about advocacy through economics. Our dollars matter. And with things that are happening here in, in in Georgia right now, especially with these anti-gay laws and things like that, it is very important that we speak up. It is very important that we let our legislators know that we're not going to stand for discrimination. It's going to hurt our, our city and our, our, our state economically because yes. there are numbers of uh, companies threatening to pull out. Right. So that's what we want to do is just bring awareness. We're not we don't want to get on one side or the other from a political standpoint, but we need to talk about how our dollars matter. Now, do you interface with the folks at the at the Capitol to talk about some of these issues and how they're affecting the business community as well? Right now, we're doing it through some of the other organizations, Georgia Prospers. Um, um, oh, my gosh, I can't think right now. But the, there's a couple of organizations that, that we partner with, and we do have a community relations um, person that actually goes down to the Capitol. And last year, he used to go down and actually look at how people voted because they didn't they don't write that stuff down. 
They don't take doc. They don't document it. So Beck Sebastian is um, uh, on on the board of directors of the AGLCC, and Bex usually tells us is the liaison between us and other organizations, grassroots organizations, um, to help out with stuff like that. Well, you talked about the fact that you have these events that are luncheon type meetings and other events where I can go and meet other members in the business community and hopefully make some business relationships there. Why else should I be a member? What are the reasons why you would advise somebody to join the AGLCC? Well, one. Whether you're gay, straight, lesbian, bisexual, um, it's a great way to support the community. It's a great way to become an ally of the community. Um, And there are benefits of being a member. Uh, We have relationships with companies like Google. We have relationships with Cox. We have relationships with Coca-Cola, lots of corporate partners who who are looking for um, smaller companies to do business with. So this year we're going to be kicking off some things around supplier diversity. And membership has its privileges. So we'll be doing things. It's called a procurement spotlight Mm -hmm. where we'll go to certain companies and they'll tell you if you want to do business with us, this is how you do it. We also offer what's called a LGBTBE certification. Okay. which um, I was going to ask about that, like the MBEs, for example. I know GMSDC had a show with us for a period of time. So there is a a business certification Mm -hmm. that you can get. Correct. There is a business certification that you can get. Your company has to be 51 percent LGBT owned. um, And that kind of gets your foot in the door. Um, We're also going to be teaching our members, um, they may not be tier one um, suppliers, but how to partner with other suppliers. And I know that that is, when I looked at the minority business enterprises, for example, and women-owned uh, as another one, the disadvantaged business enterprise, uh, that those types of certifications, when they go through them, I know that you can't, it's not just anybody who applies gets certified for one thing. You have to have your business structured correctly Correct. and you have to be able to demonstrate you've been doing business for a little bit that you can handle uh, doing business with some of those uh, larger companies. But but from from my understanding is those those companies that went through that process, it's really made a significant difference, both being able to do business with government agencies, for example, but also the Coca-Colas and Deltas of the world. Correct. And we, we signed an agreement with the Small Business Administration January last, about a year ago. Um, we also have something called AGLCC University, which is free to our members, where we have executive level people that you can't touch, see and feel on a daily basis that will come in and teach things on branding, on marketing, how to size, how to scale your business up, things that you need to do to become more, have your business become more successful. So that's what we're about is how do we help you with your business, take you from where you are to where you want to be. And how frequently are you having events of different types that, that the business community can take part in? So the Business Builder Luncheons, we have four uh, throughout the city. In, in March, we'll be implementing our fifth. In March, we'll be implementing one in, in where? I will be uh, implementing a new business builder luncheon in Alpharetta. Correct. We currently have five. So we have one in uh, Vinings, Buckhead, Midtown, and North, North Lake. Lake. And then in Al- we'll, we're coming to coming soon to Alpharetta. <laughs> um, once a month, we have a networking event called Fourth Friday, except if the Fourth Friday falls on a holiday. <laughs> is that a is that a daytime event or anything? it's an evening? That's an evening event, usually around from five thirty to six thirty. The one we had was um, a couple weeks ago, and it was at the Atlanta History Center. We had to reschedule from the snowmageddon in January. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the snow that never shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. oh my gosh! Oh my it gosh! Snow. Yeah. And then. Um, <laughs> we have the Atlanta, the uh, AGLCC University around four times a year, and the procurement spotlight is going to be about three times this year. We also have our annual dinner 
um, which is one of our biggest events. Mm-hmm. And then the end of the year, we have an event called Out in the Kitchen, which if you're a foodie, it's an excellent event yeah. to come to. Uh, we usually have around somewhere between six to eight chefs that prepare, you know, little bites for us. And there's holiday music. And it's just a great way to just end the year. And any any other things about the chamber that you really feel that would be important for someone listening to to know about you? I think, you know, from a networking standpoint, from doing business with other um, um, LGBT businesses or allied businesses, I think that's the most one of the most important things. Um, again, there's going to be a lot of changes happening behind the scenes this year. Um, that's going to also help increase our visibility, but also help increase what our members are getting from us. So, well, I look forward to having you all be joining us here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. As I mentioned, the the we serve the business community by giving them a media outlet through which they can talk about their companies, their solutions, and how they're able to help the business community in various ways. You had a you had a thought, Jane? Yeah, I did. Um, it surprises me. I've been a member of the chamber for ten years, and again, it's it's uh, LGBT businesses and allies. And one of the things that surprises me the most is how many business owners or businesses do not know about the chamber. Uh, they have no idea that a chamber even exists. And that's one of the things I think would be, will be great for us being on Radio X is, um, you know, you'll talk to someone new and say, you know, are you by any chance a member of the AGLCC? Well, what in the world is that? <laughs> right. uh, they don't even know. You know, and and really the whole point of having the chamber is hopefully one day we won't have to have a chamber. You know, you right. won't need a chamber. Uh, right now we still do. Uh, and, you know, one of the things, it has helped my business uh, tremendously over the past 10 years. Uh, even more important than that to me is I've met some of my best friends now at the chamber. Um, you know, the, just the nicest people. Um, they, they end up becoming good friends. You refer business to them. They refer business to you. And, uh, you know, this, the networking, the chamber really doesn't cost much to join, and, uh, but the benefits are great. So, um, you know, please get the word out there that there is an, you know, AGLCC chamber, and we want everyone in it. We don't want just a particular group. We want everyone in the chamber. And as Emma was talking about, there is a certification out there available to folks who are uh, entrepreneurs, business owners in the LGBT community. So that if you own uh, over half, if it's over half owned, 51% or more owned by LGBT member of the community, then they qualify to get certified in that in that class Correct. Of, of and, enterprise and if if they are a chamber member the fee to to get certified is around $400 okay and if they are a member of the chamber that fee is waived Wow, that's pretty significant. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that through our work with the Let's Talk Small Business show that the GMSDC did for minority business enterprises how I learned over time how few uh, minority business entrepreneurs actually knew that that was available. So I'm really pleased that 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 certification is there and we're talking about it so that maybe members even possibly that uh, haven't gone through the process can look at that. Because as I mentioned, it can really be a way to scale your business successfully, getting to do business with some of those larger suppliers that you wouldn't have had the chance to do otherwise. Um, before we go, I, I want everybody to share how they can get information both about the AGLCC as well as your respective businesses. You want to you start with where to go for more information about AGLCC and then also about Commonwealth? Sure. You can find the AGLCC on Facebook and then our website is atlantagaychamber.org. And you can find me on Twitter at Emma Knows Money. <laughs> uh, you can find more information about the Corbel Group at Keller Williams by going to www.corbelgroup.com. 
We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Very good. Again, I'm Jan with Pizzazz Promotions, and you can find us at uh, Pizzazz, which is P-I-Z-A-Z-Z-Z.com, spelled <laughs> wrong for a reason. And um, also on Facebook, we have a Facebook page, and uh, also uh, Jan at Pizzazz.com. Very good. This is Allison, and the best place probably to find me is on Twitter at Atlanta Tax. So David, and well, obviously my website, integratedchiropractic.com, um, and uh, also on LinkedIn and Facebook. So give me a call. Any final thoughts before we let you all get back to your day? No, I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I think this is, this is great for us and for the chamber. Well, I'm looking thank forward to, to more episodes. We'll we'll figure out our rhythm and get you guys on the schedule so we can thank start featuring so a lot more of the businesses from the AGLCC mm-hmm. community. And if you're listening to us on the podcast, you've not done so already, if you look in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store where the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast is located. Subscribe to us. And that way, every week, when the new episode comes out, it'll be sitting there on your device ready for the walk with the dog or the drive to work, whatever the case may be for you. And I hope you turn around and share this information with your social media networks. Uh, You might just put some information in the hands of somebody that you care about that really makes a difference in their life or their business. So we want to say thank you very much in advance for doing that. Um, And uh, all the folks who took time to join us in the studio today, really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to get to meet all of you. And uh, for our folks listening, I want to say thanks so much for making us a part of your day. We really appreciate you giving us your time. I look forward to catching you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 